helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Every so often, someone comes up with some obscure idea that shines a new light on things. Sometimes, mysterious or hidden ideas really do bring something new to light. More often than not, though, they seem to confuse more than enlighten. Personally, I lean towards Occam's razor. The option with the fewest assumptions is most likely correct. Put another way, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. So let's look at a couple of recent filings and, and see if those there are zebras chasing us or just horses someone has painted some stripes on. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me today. It should be interesting. I ended up with a couple of, of interesting court filings that I want to discuss, and, and we'll take some time on them. But they led me to some other stories that I think are, are important as well. So let's jump right in. And the first actually is an amicus, or a friend of the court brief, in the Supreme Court case about Colorado's um, uh, removing the Supreme Court decision to remove Donald Trump from the uh, the primary election, and uh, the the brief is uh, filed. It's a it's an amici curie brief of Ryan Binkley, Ryan Binkley for President 2024, Wisconsin Voter Alliance, Pure Integrity Mission Elections, and Michigan Fair Elections in support of neither party. All right, so they're not saying, they, they claim it's not supporting either party. Um, we'll quickly find out that um, doesn't seem to be the case. But I found this interesting because the general idea is that um, the Colorado Supreme Court didn't have the authority to, um, to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Now, again, we talk about, we're talking about an obscure law. And this law, uh, reading from the, the, the brief, uh, D.C. Code Section 163501, a congressionally enacted federal law applying the writ of Coarantaro to national officers provides exclusive jurisdiction to the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia to issue a writ of rule Coarantaro against a disqualified president-elect. Right, in English, there's a federal law that was created as part of the District of Columbia Code that says the only people who can question a candidate's eligibility, a presidential candidate's eligibility for office is the district court for the District of Columbia. Now, this is actually it's for, for national officers. So it would, not, it would not just be president. It would be House and Senate as well. So president, vice president, House and Senate. Now, okay, that's very interesting. I, I, uh, I uh, got my attention, so I read a little bit further. And we read, the Elector's Clause, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, provides that states must appoint presidential electors, and the state legislature can choose a method of appointing uh, of appointment. Okay, stop there for a second. I want to be very detailed in how we do this because it will easily get lost. I believe it can easily get lost in, in the, uh, the wash, the manner, whatever. So this part is correct. Article 1, I'm sorry, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 states, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, 
a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which a state may be entitled in Congress. So far, so good. However, the brief goes on. But the electors clause does not give the states the power to disqualify presidential candidates. Okay, well, I want to stop here for a second because uh, I, I see a problem right off the bat. You see, the Tenth Amendment says a power not delegated to the United States nor prohibited by to the states are retained are re retained by the states respectively, reserved to the states respectively, or the people. So the point isn't the states can uh, the that. Because the Constitution doesn't specifically say the states can 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 do something, is not the only is not how it works. If the Constitution says a state cannot do something, or if it states that a power is delegated to the United States, so when you when you're talking about the states disqualifying presidential candidates, go back to the Constitution. Um, each state shall appoint in a manner as the legislature thereof may direct. So the states. The, the, uh, again, it's, it's the state legislature to determine how they appoint electors, the manner of appointing electors. Wouldn't that include if the electors were going to vote for qualification? Part of the problem here we have is because we've so mangled the way we elect presidents, um, we tend to confuse the difference between electors and the candidate. So all we're really saying is th 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 that... When it comes to electors, they can choose. But now all of a sudden the court, the, uh, the, the amici brief says electors now means candidates. Now, again, this also is a bit of a, of a red herring because what, Colorado, what the Colorado Supreme Court did was not disqualify electors. It disqualified a candidate for a presidential a nomination, a party's nomination for office. So we've got problem number one there. However, the amici goes on. Instead, the electors clause reserves disqualifying presidential candidates, that is, potential future president-elects, beyond state enforcement of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5, of presidential requirements of a natural-born citizen, 35 years of age, and 14 years of residency to the federal government. Problem number two, the Elector's Clause says no such thing. This amici completely inverts the Tenth Amendment. It assumes that a power not delegated to the state is reserved to the federal government. That's backwards. The uh, power not reserved, not re reserved to the United or delegated to the United States, is reserved to the states or the people. Again, let me read the electors clause to you one more time, so you don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, you know, shining you on. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors, electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which a state may be entitled in the Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector. Where does that say that the uh, qualification is reserved to the United States? It doesn't. Where does it say that the disqualifying candidate is reserved or, or is, is delegated to the United States, reserved anywhere. If the, if the electors clause says 
it's reserved, then it's going to be reserved to the states, not the United States. This is why I say, people, it's the it's not, not what you don't know. It's what you know that just isn't so. So there's problem number one. Very first paragraph, by the way, I'm sorry, first two paragraphs of the summary of their argument. And I've already pulled it apart. But there's more. And, and, and I want to get to this. So they go on to say, and, and Congress has acted on its constitutional authority to remove president-elects who are disqualified. Okay, time. Where in the Constitution is Congress given the authority to remove president-elects, to disqualify president-elects? They are not. Let's go back to the Constitution. And we're going to go to the 12th Amendment, because a lot of this language in the 12th Amendment superseded language in Article 2. It says, the electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president and in distinct ballots persons voted for as vice president. And they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and all persons voted for as vice president. And the number of votes for each which list shall be signed, which they shall sign and certified and transmit sealed to the seat of government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate. Uh, the president said, shall, in the presence of the Senate and House, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. Unless there's someone does not get a majority, that's the only power Congress has, is to observe the counting. Congress and Senate get together. The president of the Senate, which is generally the outgoing vice president, opens the certificates and has them counted in the presence of Congress. Nowhere in the Constitution does the, is the Congress given the authority to remove a president-elect, to determine qualifications or not, period. End of story. That doesn't exist. But then the, the brief goes on, the congressionally enacted D.C. Code 16, uh, Section 163501 grants exclusive jurisdiction to the United States District Court for the District of Columbia to issue a writ of quorantero to remove a person who usurps, intrudes into, or unlawfully holds or exercises the presidential office. Well, problem number one, Congress did not have the legal authority to determine for the nation who can hold uh, uh, office. Furthermore, notice, this is not U.S. law. This is code for the District of Columbia. That means it is only binding within the District of Columbia. The state of Colorado is not subject to the code of the District of Columbia. I, I weep for the state of our law education, our, our, our law schools that uh, apparently an attorney can come up with such a ridiculous argument. The District of Columbia is the seat of the government of the United States. It is not the government of the United States. And when Congress exercises legislative authority, exclusive legislative authority, as delegated by the Constitution over the district, that legislative authority only impacts the district it has no jurisdiction anywhere else. So I, I realize I've used the term quoranto several times. Let me explain it. Uh, it it's a writ. It, it's a uh, request. It's an order. It's, a, it's designed to call a hearing to determine by what authority someone has an office. So 
Um, you know, when when they when he talks about the Quarento, it's like who gets to decide whether or not someone is eligible for president. Well, here's so we've got we've got a litany of problems. First of all, um, the 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 Colorado Supreme Court was dealing was not dealing with presidential candidates. It was dealing with an election by a private organization, the Colorado GOP, the Colorado Republicans, an election to determine who they would recommend to the national committee as the um, uh, uh, the presidential candidate. This is part of the process for the a private organization, the Republican Party, to choose their candidate, their preferred champion for the race of president. So it has nothing to do. This is not, ladies and gentlemen, a presidential elections election it's a question of qualifications to run for uh to run in a primary so that's problem number one right second of all this whole idea that dc code rules over the nation is another farce then we have the whole claim that the electors clause they turn the whole 10th amendment upside down claiming that since the electors clause doesn't tell states you can do it you can't when the 10th amendment says exactly the opposite again i weep for the state of our of our law schools i i got asked again a couple weeks ago you know um about attending law school and no i were at this point someone actually suggested several months ago that i I uh, uh, audit a class. Now, don't actually you know, attend the class, participate in the class, but don't do it for credit just to see what's going on. Based on this, I'm assuming, because it's usually the case, that uh, um, uh, uh, was a Mr. Uh, Binkley is an attorney, and you pull out this nonsense. I, you know, then again, I look at the, the, how I destroyed uh, Ken Paxton's uh, uh, complaint in the 2020 election, or a couple of others. I'm disgusted. And in fact, it's interesting because there's another case I'm looking at that, again, I'm looking at the, uh, um, I'm looking at the, the complaint by the attorneys, and I'm like, what were you thinking? I mean, have you actually read the Supreme Law of the Land? I'm going to do that, by the way, in the next segment. But it makes, again, weep for our future. Weep for the law schools. Weep for the attorneys that graduate law school thinking they know diddly squat about the law. Then they pull out nonsense like this. I mean, what's the old saying? You know, what do they call the, the guy who came, who was last in his class in law school? Doctor. Guess who they, you know, if you can pass law school and, and pass the bar exam, they call you an attorney. Doesn't mean you need, you know diddly squat about the law, not based on what I've seen here. The next uh, uh, filing, the next article has to deal with a case involving mass mandates, and I can't wait to tear into that one. But I do have to take this break. I hope, by the way, if you want more details, I'm probably going to write more detailed articles about these, and I'll publish them here at AmericaOutloud.news. But I also publish them at my website constitutionstudy.com. You can sign up for one of my mailing lists. You can get the articles delivered to you when I publish them. Um, you can get insider updates from the, the Constitution, or, or maybe look at the Patriots program. Maybe you want to learn more, and a Patriots program would be a great place to start. Now, that's a lot to do. And the only way we're going to do all of this 
as if you get a good night's sleep. You, you wake up, if you're wake up tired all the time, how are you supposed to dig into stuff like this? Well, I found something that'll help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, so you can wake up refreshed. It's Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. My wife uses it, my daughter use it, uses it, I use it. It's the only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep, and it comes in a travel-ready gel pack. I usually use stuff like this when I'm traveling, so I'll throw one in my bag before I go, and it helps me sleep so I can get the job done the next day. Now, since you're in America, I'll lot of listeners, you can get 25% your first order of REM sleep or anything from Healthy Cell. You can find the details at americaoutloud.shop. Please go there. Find out how. There's a code you use. The code is out loud. Use it when you check out. It lets Healthy Cell know that you listen to America Out Loud. And for that, you will get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Please go to americaoutloud.shop for the details and try out Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution study. Today, we're investigating some obscure items that recently popped up. I spent the first segment talking about a, a, an amici brief filed in the Supreme Court regarding the, the, Colorado, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court removing Donald Trump from the primary ballot. And I just, again, that was one where that was definitely horses pretending to be zebras. There was no there there. It was, it was, it was bad. It made me, you know, it made me think that attorneys that went to that law school should demand that gentleman should demand a refund 
because what he learned was not the law. He learned something, but he didn't seem to learn the law, at least not very well. Well, there's another case that came up, and this uh, actually, I believe, came up out of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And um, it, it had to do with um, it had to do with mass mandates. And in fact, reading from the, uh, the, the opinion, uh, we read, A question shadowing suits such as these is whether there is a First Amendment right to refuse to wear a protective mask as required by valid health and safety orders put in place during a recognized public health emergency. Now, there's a lot there that I got to, I, I got to pick apart. Now, yes, there is a question involved in this suit. That what, what you have are two suits that were put together that involved people refusing to wear masks. I think one was at a school board meeting. One was at somewhere else. I, I, I don't remember where. But that was the question. But here's the interesting. They said, for the, they said first, is there a First Amendment right to wear a protective face mask? Okay, I'm sorry. Attorneys for these two people, you failed. This cannot be a First Amendment issue because both of these involve state actions or state subsidiaries, not the federal government. The First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law. Congress didn't make a law requiring the, the wearing of face masks. So there's problem number one. But they go on to say, a, a protect, as required by valid health and safety orders. Well, that's the whole point. The point is, those health and safety orders are not valid. Now, they're not valid for a couple of reasons. One, to restrict a person's right, you must go through due process. You know, the, the Fifth Amendment says uh, that you cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. The Fourteenth Amendment says a state cannot pass a law depriving someone of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Now, what is this due process of law? It is a process, governmental or judicial, that's designed to protect the rights of the individual. Now, these health and safety orders were not done via due process. Why? Because there was no probable cause that these masks would actually protect anyone. In fact, the initial study came from the CDC. They looked at a hair salon, a singular one hair salon with two hairstylists, both of which had COVID, both of which wore masks, and none of their customers tested positive for COVID. Based on that, and that alone, the CDC recommended wearing masks. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's stupid. But they did. So now all these state and local entities start putting out these mass mandates because the CDC recommended it, never bothering to see, was there any probable cause behind it? Since there was no probable cause, there was no reason, there was no due process to say, you are a danger if you don't wear masks, because there was no evidence that wearing a mask would stop spreading the, the disease if you had it. and. There was no probable cause that the person being told they must wear a mask was actually sick. Therefore, it was a danger to others. So these protective, these mask mandates were not valid. In fact, I tell the story all frequently about a, a, a book fair I was at in March of 2020. And I had a whole sheet written up proving that these mask mandates were illegal 
they were unjustified, they were unconstitutional, they were therefore void. And in fact, enforcing the mask mandates was a, a federal crime. So that was the question. Of course, the questions dealt dealing with a, a premise that is wrong, that the it wasn't whether or not it's a protest of a valid health and safety order. It was really whether it's a, was a health and safety order valid in the first place. So there was problem number one. The people who filed this case screwed up, in my opinion. So when the judge said, listen, skeptics are free to and did voice their opposition through multiple means, but disobeying a masking requirement is not one of them. Again, the whole idea, this is not a First Amendment issue. If the judge who went to law school, I assume went to law school, had actually read the First Amendment, he said, wait a second, Congress didn't make this law. Your whole thing is ridiculous. It never would have gotten this far. However, here's the problem. So now I've, I've got a, a, a reporter, a journalist, someone who I read his stuff frequently, claiming in the headline that, I should say it wasn't a journalist, I have an, a, a, the Epic Times, right? Uh, in most cases, the journalists are not the ones writing the headlines. The Epic Times had an article that state that the headline of which was "Refusing to wear a mask isn't protected by the Constitution." Federal court, according to the federal court. Well, that's wrong, right? Because first of all, the court didn't say that. The court said that it wasn't a First Amendment violation, which it's not, even though the court got it wrong for the wrong reasons. Now, where is this a problem? I've said mask mandates are unconstitutional. They are void. They are empty. Now, here's how I argue this situation. I start out with the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2. This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the constitutional laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. So the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Now understand, mass mandates violate your rights under, uh, under several uh, amendments of the Constitution. First, it's a Fourth Amendment violation because you're asking uh, some political officer, or I should say some government officer, officer to seize me. You know, I, I, how can I'm not the, the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Well, are you searching me to see if I'm wearing a mask? Well, it's kind of out in the open. Are you going to seize me for that? See, if you're going to detain me because I am not wearing a mask, wait a second, where's the reasonable in this? Because mask mandates are unconstitutional and void. Now, by the way, it also violates my rights under the Fifth Amendment because you are depriving me of both liberty and property, the property I have in my own body, without due process of law, because the mass mandates did not consider the rights of the individual. Same with the, the 14th Amendment. It says, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges and immunities of any of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of liberty, life, liberty, or property without due process of law. If a state creates this mandate or a subdivision of the state, they have created, uh, uh, they are depriving me of both my liberty and my property without due process of law. Not the First Amendment, we're talking about the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, primarily some of the Fourth Amendment. Now, when I say these exercises are void, that's not just me. Alexander Hamilton wrote in Federalist Paper 78, There is no position which depends on clearer principle than that every act of a delegated authority, contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised, is 
void. An unconstitutional act, an act contrary to the, to the delegated authority, is void. He actually goes on to say that uh, uh, an unconstitutional legislative act cannot be valid, and he explains why. But also, I mean, a lot of people point, well, you know, you got, you got Marbury versus Madison. For those in the, the constitutional realm, they talk about Marbury versus Madison and the power of judicial review. Well, listen to, Mar to Chief Justice Marshall from Marbury versus Madison. He wrote, thus the particular phraseology of the Constitution of the United States confirms and strengthens the principle supposed to be ascension to all written constitutions, that a law republic to the Constitution is void and that courts, as well as other departments, are bound by that instrument. By the way, those are just two of, I'm sorry, that, that, that's one of three court cases, Supreme Court opinions, that point out that unconstitutional acts are void. Therefore, since this act is unconstitutional, it is void. And that courts and other departments are bound to the Constitution. They took an oath to, to the Constitution. But there's another step that I almost never hear people refer to. And that is Title 18, Section 242 of the United States Code, which reads, Whoever, under color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom, willfully subjects any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both, and if bodily injury results from the acts committed in violation of this section, or if such acts include the use, attempted use, or threatened use of dangerous weapons, explosives, or fire, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years or for life or both, or may be sentenced to death. Ladies and gentlemen, refusing to comply with a mass mandate is not a violation of the law. It's an enforcement of the supreme law. It is an exercise of a, uh, of a right protected by the Constitution of the United States. The immunity from search and seizure, the immunity from deprivation without due process. And those who enforce these laws are committing federal crimes, punishable by fines, jail time, and if someone dies, possibly life in prison or the death penalty. That's some serious stuff. That certainly seems a lot better than saying uh, it's a First Amendment protest. I, I'm not surprised that the people who committed these acts were misinformed. I'm not that surprised. What I'm disgusted at is the attorneys so misinformed about the Constitution that they wrote such a ridiculous argument. Again, I wasn't there when the page was blank, but I would have pointed out right. I've been pointing this out since 2020. Since March of 2020, I've been pointing out that these, these uh, uh, mass mandates were not violations of the First Amendment. They were violations of the Fifth Amendment, of the Fourth Amendment. But yet, I'm the, you know, I, don't, I don't have a law degree. I never went to law school. I, because, but I still know more about the Constitution than many lawyers I encounter. And if you're interested, I will put a link on the webpage when this episode goes up 
to the actual PDF of that placard that I used. So you can see it, you can see the references, and you are free to copy it. You are free to use it to your heart's content. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is how you protect your rights. Because we are not done with this nonsense. Because even though the CDC, their own expert panels, show that masks don't work, we still see people saying, you got to wear masks. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, they started a group. And in June of, of last year, they released a, a draft document with what they found. In this, they, they, this group noted that there, was noted there were studies and scientific evidence showing there's no difference among home healthcare professionals wearing N95 respirators and those wearing surgical masks. Right? So they basically say there's no difference between an N95 and a surgical mask when it comes to, uh, I, I believe, getting infected. However, they noted there were flaws in the data, serious concerns about the data. They found that half of the studies were retrospective in nature, which raised a whole bunch of questions about bias, memory. Uh, re, you know, did, did you remember whether you wore the masks? Were the masks properly in, uh, uh, fitted? Were the respirators properly fit? A whole bunch of, uh, of that. But despite all the flaws, the committee concluded that healthcare workers need only wear surgical masks when treating patients infected by common or endemic viruses such as regularly occurring respiratory infections. They also noted it was what's called a, a source control, meaning it was only effective when the infected person wore the mask, not when the other person wore the mask. Let me say that again. They were only, they were only effective. The only effectiveness they saw was when it was the infected person wearing the mask, not the uninfected person wearing the mask. There are also experts telling you that, that uh, wearing these masks can serve as a reservoir of infectious material if they become soiled during use, meaning the mask should be changed when soiled, damaged, or harder to breathe through. But again, they're talking about healthcare professionals, not the everyday person. So based on this, where is the evidence that um, mass mandates, that there's probable cause that, th that mass mandates are valid. There isn't any. And now we have Harvard University now becomes the 70th school that's going to mandate the students get the, the, the COVID-19 jab, the mRNA jab. Again, despite all the evidence that the, the, the shot uh, was not necessary, that the death rates are, are well below necessary, that the, there, there is a significant risk, that actually the risk of adverse effect from the, um, from the jab is greater than the risk from, from COVID-19. And in fact, according to one study, for every one person that was saved by the jab, 14 died by the jab. I, have to, I talked about it a few days ago on the program. So again, this is the craziness we're dealing with. Both the legally obscure question, right? You dealt with the wrong problem. The, the, the lawsuit dealt with the wrong problem. They took what they knew that just wasn't so and applied it and lost. But it's being, but these, the whole thing with mass mandates are based on flawed information and a lack of understanding of the Constitution and how to defend and assert your rights. That's what we do here at the Constitution Study. That's our goal. In fact, I'm writing a mission statement for the Constitution study. 
And the mission statement is, the, the, the basis is, we want to defend, help people learn how to defend and assert their rights, give them the tools and the ability to do so. And based on these last two obscure findings, um, the obscure statements, I, I think that's more important than ever. I have to take another break. Before I go, though, you know, um, AmericaOutloud.news is a great place to get news and information to get ideas from different points of view. But it's important that we do more than just check it out. I always say, knowledge is not power until put into action. So how do you do that? Well, again, go to AmericaOutloud.news, find a story, an article, a podcast, a video, something that tells you something you hadn't heard or, or explains an idea in a way that was better than you ever thought of before, and then share it. Share it with a friend, share it with family, share it on social media. I don't care how many followers you've got because it's not how many read it. It's the act of sharing that helps us all secure the blessings of liberty. When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel and be our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health, regulating hormone balance, supporting gut health, to soothing the skin, even reducing the appearance of wrinkles, fine lines, and cellulite, and providing targeted support for mind, mood, energy, and even our body's own production of collagen. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in becoming your best self and fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Clean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today we're looking at some, some obscure, investigating the obscure. I talked about it, uh, an obscure amicus brief in the Colorado President Trump on the ballot uh, case that's now going to be heard by the Supreme Court. I talked about uh, an, obscure, an obscure uh, uh, finding in, in a case 
involving mass mandates. Well, how many of you remember that uh, Governor DeSantis authorized the Florida Supreme Court to form a grand jury to look into the practices of the pharmaceutical manufacturers uh, when it came to the um, any criminal activity or wrongdoing involving the development, approval, or marketing of the COVID-19, quote-unquote, vaccines. Well, that uh, grand jury released uh, an interim report just the other day. And in that report, they found, well, there were, remember what I say, it's not what you don't know, it's what you know that just ain't so. Well, let's take a look at five findings that they they came up with. I'm reading a summary uh, from uh, thefederalist.com, but I've included a link to the actual interim report uh, if you want to go in and look at it yourself and read it and go through all the the truth. All right, so uh, number one. It was highly likely that COVID hospitalization numbers were inflated. Uh, now, the uh, the grand jury found that the CARES Act, passed by Congress and signed by Donald Trump, created financial subsidies for Medicare and Medicaid patients with COVID-19 that were treated at hospitals and other medical facilities. These incent- This gave them incentives to report more than just hospitalizations, uh, uh, more, more hospitalizations for COVID-19 diseases. In fact, quote, we know for a fact that this happened because numerous federal and state health officials have publicly stated that they did not ask or require hospitals to distinguish cases where someone was admitted with incidental SARS-CoV-2 infection versus cases where someone was so sick with symptoms of COVID-19 disease that he or she required hospitalization. Thus, it is highly likely the CDC's number of total hospitalizations is inflated to some degree with asymptomatic or minor SARS-CoV-2 infections that were classified as hospitalizations in order to financially benefit the hospital. All right, there's number Number two. COVID does not harm most children. The grand jury said that COVID-19 is statistically almost harmless to children. And in fact, they say they go on to say the same thing for most adults, highlighting that how individuals 65 and older are the demographic most at risk of dying from the virus. Let's see, number three, public officials ignored pre-existing research. See, the, the grand jury found that there was previous research on, on what they call non-pharmaceutical interventions or things like lockdowns and masking, and that this was ignored by public health officials. It also discovered that those same public health officials and the media attacked anyone, anyone who raised such research when questioning the, the validity of baseless COVID-19 policies. If you question them, they went after you. Quote, to be clear, scientific research into NPIs and their consequences did not begin with the outbreak of COVID-19. A wealth of contemporaneous scientific information already existed in major publications that could have informed a much more robust and meaningful response with respect to NPIs, but much of it was ignored or even attacked by mainstream public health and media entities in the early months of the pandemic for reasons that are not always clear. In short, this was not an information problem, it was a judgment problem. Speaking of judgment, number four, lockdowns did more harm then good. The grand jury found that that the American society is not organized in a way to support long-term isolation. They said, you know, lockdowns may offer some short-term relief against case growth. In other words, 
flattening the curve, but that when they lifted the lockdowns, the, the, there was collateral damage that led to excess mortality that can directly be attributed to the consequences of the lockdowns. The report reads, lockdowns are not a good trade. Comparative data showed that jurisdictions that held to them tended to end up with a higher overall excess mortality. This is especially evident when compared to jurisdictions that targeted their protective efforts towards the high-risk groups instead of mandating large-scale extended periods of quarantine for everyone. So everyone of you that was locked down, that was shut down, that was told you were not essential, yeah, the government just made things worse. And then number five, masks don't work. Uh, the, ground, the grand jury found that there has never been sound evidence of the effectiveness of masks against SARS-CoV-2 transmission. This, by the way, comports with the findings of the Cochrane Library study, which was published last year. And what it found was that areas with mask mandates fared no better than areas without them. Uh, the report reads, there have always been legitimate questions around the impracticality of individual adherence to mass recommendations, but once it became clear that the primary transmission vector of SARS-CoV-2 was via aerosol, their potential efficacy was further diminished. In other words, the droplets were too small to be captured by the mask. Uh, they went on to say that uh, uh, public health agencies rarely failed to adequately explain this important distinction to the American public in favor of a broad mass recommendation that did not make nearly enough distinction between the types of masks available and put at risk those it sought to help. Instead, self-proclaimed health experts opted to fill the discourse with flawed observational and laboratory studies, hiding behind their conclusion of no equipose to avoid the potential embarrassment of public health advice they championed being invalidated by evidence. So there you have it. You have three fairly obscure uh, pieces of information. Uh, but all of which have can, can have a major impact on your life. Um, love them or hate them, whether or not Donald Trump is allowed to be on the ballot will certainly impact the 2024 election. Whether or not you like it, uh, there are people that recognize that uh, mass mandates are, are unconstitutional and void. And whether or not that gets recognized by others... Well, it's important because if the government can mandate you strap on a mask, how long before they can mandate you stick something in your arm? How long before they can mandate that uh, you put something in your car or in your home? See, they're already doing it. If the government can simply mandate without due process how you live your life, then how do you live your life? It has a tremendous impact. Not only on your life, but the lives of your children and your grandchildren and, well, anyone else that decides that, that comes along. And then the, the information about, hey, remember all that stuff that we were told was, was lies, disinformation, that people should be kicked off of social media, they should not be allowed to talk because these are all lies and you're going to get people killed? And, and you find out, no, actually, that was true. It was those that were calling the lie that were lying, not the ones that were actually stating the facts. And how do you live your life now? Would you have lived your life differently if, the, uh, uh, if you had the information that said the COVID didn't, the, the hospitalization numbers for COVID were inflated? 
or that children are not at risk of COVID, or, or that uh, there was research that said lockdowns don't work, and on. There were other ways to intervene, and on and on and on. Would you have lived your life differently if you knew that? See, the thing is, knowledge, people say knowledge is power, but it's not really power until it's put into action. See, I've given you some knowledge. I've given you some knowledge about a court case, about two court cases, one involving Donald Trump, one involving mask mandates, and here is some data that uh, enforce, that reinforces the idea that masks don't work, among other things, that you were lied to about COVID to keep you into compli in compliance. Now, what are you going to do with it? Now, I understand most of you don't spend, don't have the time to go out and, and do the, the searching and the research. That's what I do. That's one of the reasons why I set up my daily news digest, why I've worked harder to take the, the, the content that I'm finding. Uh, if, if you haven't been around for a while, every night uh, after dinner, I sit down, my wife and I watch a little TV, and I've usually got my iPad out because I'm going through generally between 600 and 700 headlines a night. So I'm getting data from all sorts of places so I can weed through it, so I can help find these interesting and sometimes obscure sources so I can share them with you. Now, that I share them several ways. One, I do post them on social media. So if you follow me on, on I'm on Twitter, I'm on, uh, what else have I got? I'm on uh, Gab. Um, they post there. By the way, they also post to my website, constitutionstudy.com. I have a whole section just called news. It's on the homepage. Uh, you know, I've got current news on the homepage. I've got a whole section that's just news articles that I found that I think you may find interesting. And now you can sign up for a mailing list there for my what's called my Constitution Study Daily News Digest. Every morning you'll get an email with links to all the articles that I thought were interesting that day. So I can search, I search through some of that so that you can use, and that is a resource I provide free of charge for you to use. Now, maybe you find something, maybe you find something I didn't find. Guess what? That's why on the website I have a, an ask a question, meaning you can go in and say, hey, Paul, did you, did you see this uh, article? Or, or have you heard about this? Or can you, can you explain this to me more? I love answering those questions. And in fact, hit, there's a checkbox on the form that says, please answer on America Out Loud Talk Radio, and I'll be happy to. Because I want to spread the information, because knowledge is good, but I always want to encourage you to turn that knowledge into action. I was uh, I was answering a a, a, a comment uh, earlier, just earlier today, and the person was talking about, well, you know, I don't have a bunch of people that follow me, so nothing I do matters, and uh, you know, it's, it, it, if I actually do something, it's all in vain. And I kind of, you know, I, I was, I was answering it, and as I was doing, something came to mind. It made me think: How many people out there are saying the exact same thing? They're not going to stand up until they see somebody else stand up. But they're waiting for you to stand up. The other thing I, I want to make important is: You do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because you know you're going to win. You know, it's funny, we look back and say, you know, World War II, 
Watch, watch it. Find a good World War II movie. And I pretty much guarantee while you're watching it, you'll be looking at it from the viewpoint of, I know we won. Band of Brothers. I love Band of Brothers. And there's a, a an episode, um, the Battle of the Balls, Arden Forest. And you see these guys fighting, and we look back and say, yeah, but you won. They didn't know that. They didn't know they were going to win. They only knew they had a duty to their neighbors and their family and their country, and they were willing to fulfill it. The same could be said of pretty much any demonstration. Are you doing it because you know you're going to win or because it's the right thing? I always go back to you know John Quincy Adams, who spent 17 years, 17 years in the House of Representatives trying to ban the slave trade. And for 17 years, he was thwarted. For 17 years, he failed. And when asked why he kept doing it, why do you keep fighting when you fail year after year after year? His response was, duty is ours. Results are God's. And I always found that a poignant and important understanding. You do what you do because it's the right thing, not because you're sure you're going to win. But there's another part of that story, which I've only started, I only learned about a few months ago, and I've really been trying to bring it to the fore. You see, near the end of his career in the House, John Quincy Adams had a protege, a newly elected member of the House that he took under his wing to kind of help him along, guide him, teach him the way of things. That man was Abraham Lincoln. Love him or hate him, he helped bring about the end of the slave trade. In other words, John Quincy Adams didn't fail. It just took longer than he lived for him to succeed. See, there's a lot of reasons to not do anything. There's a lot of people saying, there's no hope. There's a lot of pressures. Why bother? You're never going to win. You can't beat City Hall. You can't fight the, gov the federal government unless you have F-16s. But that's not true. Think of it this way. Forget the United States. Forget your state. Forget your city, your town, your county. Ask yourself one question. Would it make your life better? Is it worth it to you? Will it make your family's life better? Sure, a lot of what I do, when I stood up to, or when I was in at the, at the book fair prepared to stand against law enforcement, I could have gone to jail that day. And I'm sure that would not have been better for my family in the short run. But what about in the long run? What about for my daughter and the country she's inheriting from my wife and I? Do I want it better or worse? See, we talk about missing the forest for the trees. I think the problem is we spend so much time focusing on the forest, we forget that it's made up of trees. You don't have to fix the forest. All you really have to do is fix the tree. Not the whole, not, not the whole forest, just the tree right in front of you. Because just like uh, uh, the 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 wall of Jerusalem, Nehemiah and the wall of Jerusalem, you fix your part of the wall, your neighbor picks their part of the wall. Pretty soon, you've got a nice, big, strong wall 
that protects everyone. Now, if that's a message you can get behind, if that's a message you can support, well, please come back and join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, well, listen to podcast. Every episode goes to podcast, generally a day or two after it's heard on talk radio. You can listen with your favorite podcast app. But again, do something. Take that knowledge, turn it into power. Talk to people about the radio program. Go to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Find an episode that says something to you and, and leave it a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution study as well. So we can spread the information even farther and go after some more of those trees. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But turn that knowledge into action. Share them. Friends, family, social media. I don't care how big, I don't care how far. It is your act of sharing that helps us all share in the blessings of liberty.